Welcome to the Sober Community Channel, where our goal is to open minds and soften hearts concerning one of the greatest healthcare crises facing our country, which is addiction to drugs and alcohol. Hi, welcome back to Bigger Than Me. It's Rocky and Bree. Hey, how are you doing, Bree? Doing well. How are you? Good. So, I like today's topic. Too. Let's get right into it. Today's topic and episode is going to be about three relationships. We wrote a blog a while back and put that out, so let's actually talk about that. It's, it's very important. It pretty much correlates to everything in life, right? So in, in, in life in general, and this isn't just a recovery topic, it seems to just be universally true, there are only three relationships a person can have, right? There's a relationship with self, right? There's a relationship with others and a relationship with God, higher power, fill in the blank on whatever that concept is for you. But it doesn't appear to be that there are any other relationships. Does that sound accurate? Yeah, there isn't any other, but encompasses everything. Right. So let's take a look at that and see how that actually matches up with like the whole recovery process, right? So just, I guess, in the initial part of the concept, let, let's define those relationships. If, if that's true, that there's only three relationships to be had, then that would also imply like that, you know, the, the big book talks about we are the, you know, actor who wants to be the director. So it, from that whole analogy to kind of expound upon that, it means that you are the main character in the movie of your life. You'll always be the main character. So whether it's your mother, your wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, best friend, whatever it is, they at best, even your child can only be a secondary character in the movie of your life. Whether it be antagonist, protagonist, villain superhero whatever there's only you right you you will always be at least the narrator of your own life and then and then so that means that if all of the relationships with any other human being fall into that category is it a universal truth that how you do one is how you do all no interesting meaning that when you take like when you walk into a room and you dissect it you look at certain things from certain perspectives I, I i judge and i pull things apart this is the identity that i look for this is good or bad based upon my ideals and my principles and all that stuff i would imply the opposite i would imply that how i do one relationship they may look different but the manner in which i'm doing the relationships if i come from a place of love i'm going to do that in all of my relationships if i come from a place of fear i'm going to do that in all of my relationships does that part make sense? Yeah, that does. Right. So that's all I'm implying when I say how you do one is how you do all. It may fall out with the actual transactions with the other characters the in your life. actions that you do, but where you come from in those relationships should always be based on the same thing. A person who's predominantly forgiving, predominantly non-judgmental is going to be that in all of their relationships, right? And here's the interesting thing that I can keep, keep finding. You know, we keep talking about this idea of loving others and forgiveness but what you know when somebody says i love you right and i'm going through that in my personal life and my friendships i'm seeing that more and more it literally seems like their greatest capacity to love me is capped by their capacity to love themselves because mm -hmm. that old saying of how you can't love somebody else if you don't love yourself first or whatever it is it's true and that reflects on it right that's exactly what i'm experiencing so and then that brings in, I, I don't know how to love myself in, in, in the best way, the way that whatever created all of us does. That, that if, if we believe that this God thing is benevolent and unconditionally loving, I certainly don't have that for myself, 
I have glimpses of that and things that point towards that. But the reality is I would have to bring in the third party, right? I would have to bring in some concept of a higher power because most of us from whatever it is, two to nine, we get trained in all of these ideas of unworthiness, right? We see the model of what, what a perfect person looks like. And if I don't match up to that, I judge myself. And we see these are the things you should or should not do. And then a lot of us do the things that society or the ego says we should not do, but are somewhat intrinsically tied into our nature, our subconscious. We do these unhealthy things and judge ourselves right and then we come up with the unwritten thing that comes out of fist steps which is i'm not okay i'm not worthy i'm not good enough and all that is based in fear right and i've never been able to lead myself to a higher conclusion so thank god that there's a third party and i can learn to grow from that when some people will say grow in its likeness and image other people will use detachment concepts like the buddhists to get to a higher level of truth that's really about myself mm-hmm. and then that would seem to overflow we talk about <clears throat> fill your cup Right? And like what flows out of the cup is for others, but what's in the cup is for me. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's tie that into the 12 steps if we can. Right? Like there's many ways to look at the process of the 12 steps for a person's healing, growth, or, or moving towards wholeness. So steps one, two, and three, if there's three relationships, I would break down the steps into, there's a couple ways to look at it, but this one is a simple one. One, two, and three would be about relationship with God first, right? So that would be about, right? I mean, there's that line in the book that says, when, when the spiritual malady is overturned, we straighten out mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. When I spiritual malady overturned would kind of imply that I'm in right relationship with some kind of a higher power. You know, I, I, my first sponsor used to say, you know, the only difference between God and me is that God doesn't wake up with the delusion that he's me. One of those things, right? So, and, and, it's very true. <laughs> right? Never, never wake, God never wakes up and is like, hey, I'm Rocky today, and then goes out and tries to fix the world. Right, so so those those kind of concepts come into play there, and then relationship. You know, when I do a four step, a fifth step, six and seven, it really seems like that's about my relationship with myself. Yeah, because if you don't have a spiritual relationship, there is no way that you can turn around and look at yourself with the same negative beliefs that you've held your whole life and expect to get better. And even sometimes some of those negative beliefs are so unconscious, mm-hmm. and, and you don't even don't even realize it what happens is we you know I've, I've wound up in unhealthy relationships over and over again i've hurt people they've hurt me i've come out bitter from those experiences and i didn't realize that my lack of self-love was just being manifested and projected through other people yeah because you think you can love other people and then it takes it off you but really that's selfish because then you're fulfilling your own motives of i'm loved because i love this person right i i in that process of Four through seven, it really seems to be a lot of it is about truth, mm-hmm. right? That that concept, yeah, the truth that I've lived by and the truth that actually is are not always seem to be aligned, no. right? So there's, there's a truth with a capital T and then there's a truth, which is just the truth that I currently understand. I think one of the best evidences of that is how's my life? How are my relationships with others? Those seem to be the things that point towards what the highest truth is and is that is that is that in my relationships you know and all the unmanageability that we all go through in different ways and different varying degrees seems to be an indicating pointer not towards value but how much truth is there in my relationships which there can't be more truth in my relationships with others than there is in my relationship with myself you know i remember in in in, give it if you don't have it to give absolutely 100 percent true I, i remember in uh you know, one of the concepts that comes up in this step sometimes is that $100 bill concept, right? So if I, if I walked up to a homeless person and I offered them a $100 bill, would they take it? Would they take it? Yeah. 
100%, right? Nobody was going to be like, no, I don't want it, right? What if I took that $100 bill and I rubbed it on the bottom of my shoe right in front of them and dirtied it, muddied it up and offered it to them? Would they still take it? Yeah, it's still $100. Let's get a little bit more gross with the analogy. What if I wiped it in dog poo? And then a guy is not eating, doesn't have any money, may want the next beer, the next whatever it is, and I offer him a $100 bill with poo on it. Is he going to not take it or is he going to take it? Probably still going to take it. So here's the idea. If a $100 bill does not lose its value based upon what happens to it or what it's been through, why would a human being? Doesn't, but those are the things that we believe. And, and, and that whole 4 through 7 process helps me realize that I'm not my failures, I'm not my successes, I'm not any of the things that I've done or like a human being. If we've got a right relationship within 1 through 3 with a higher power, right, then that really means that I'm, I'm, I'm not exonerated from, but I'm, I'm, I'm probably under the false pretense that I am what I've done. Spiritual relationship allows you to make that difference right. of between these are events, these are decisions, these are the, none of those things are you. Right, and and then here's the other part of that. I, I see this theme that you know in the big book. If I if I've been grown up on false ideas that lead towards my lack of self worth, you know the big book talks about we were like the actor who wants to be the director. Right? I would take that analogy even further. So not only are we the actor who wants to play the director, the actor doesn't run the set, you know, in, in Los yeah, Angeles or whatever. They want to be the grip, they want to be the light, the sound. Right, they, they want to do all that. The props go here, everybody, and that stuff. And the actor really is supposed to play his role to the best of his ability and get along well with the other cast members. Right, so what if it was more than just the trying to be the director? What if we unconsciously were the screenplay writer of our life based upon what we were told through indoctrination as children? And that moral of that story is, I'm not worthy, I'm not okay. And now we became not only the screenplay writer, but we also became the casting agent. Meaning somebody's in unhealthy relationships over and over and over again is literally going out and interviewing their next partner and going, here, I, I play the victim role. I'm looking for somebody to abuse me. And God forbid if they were treated with respect, that person would have to be, get, get out of here. They're weird. Yeah, like or they're, not right. They're too tall. Something's wrong with them. Right. One of their arms is a little bit longer than the other one. <laughs> right. If, you don't, if you're not going to play in the, the story that I've written, the cast that I've denoted or given to you, then I'm not going to hire you for that role, so to speak, which is a great way to live a life and come up with everybody is mistreating, abusing me, and not good to me. Well, yes, everybody. Because you allow those people to be in your life. You're literally authoring them in. You're literally giving them the role and only taking the people who would accept that role, which is their brokenness playing the same game on the opposite side. One of the, my favorite quotes is we accept the love we think we deserve. It's exactly what I'm talking about, right? So in four, five, six, and seven, I'm four, we, we kind of get that relationship with self. We get the beginning of some real truths in that, mm -hmm. right? I get to realize that I didn't have a million different problems. I have like four or five handful of defects that bleed into every aspect every of my life. Day. So it makes it look like I have a million different problems going on. But it really boils down to, because it, it, you just need the bare bones of it. Because then once you have that awareness of it, you can say, you know, my nervousness of doing something new falls back under fear. Right. Fear of that, you know, I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to do it well. I'm going to fit whatever it is. But it all boils down to just a couple of things. I think you hit the nail on the head. And, and you know, in the 12 and 12 later, 13 years later, Bill comes back and writes self-centered fear is the chief activator of all of our defects of character. Mm -hmm. And in the process in the, the 12 steps in the big book, they talk about really four predominant things. They talk about my selfishness, my fear, my dishonesty, and my resentments, which all lead to inconsideration for myself and others, right? So, so when I get through that four through seven process, have I mastered that? Probably not. 
have I increased my awareness about it? Yeah. And that can mean my life gets what I would determine to be better or worse because here's the other part I'm learning. Awareness without action is painful. Right? So, so that, you know, the fundamental is the steps are in order for a reason, which makes a ton of sense, right? Then they begin to blend as we begin to practice some lifestyle. But that right relationship with self first in one through three makes a ton of sense with, with God. And then four, five, six, and seven with self. And then in eight and nine, the beauty of the steps is I then go out to others. I then go out to make reparations, to make amends, to, to repair the relationships that I've broken. Um, with the caveat, of course, being I don't cause more injury to other people. Right. So, but how oftentimes have I done the opposite in that? Like, for example, when I was a newcomer for 15 years, there's that line in the book <laughs> that talks about is he talking about the, the the suffering alcoholic, not a victim of the delusion that he can rest or to pull like a wrestler satisfaction out of this world if he only manages well. And how much sense does that make? It makes total logical sense because in, in the outside, when I come into to the rooms of recovery, whatever fellowship, my life's usually falling apart. Absolutely. It's usually in shambles. I don't go there because everything's going great. I go there because I have a wreck and I don't know how to fix it. Yeah, nobody really comes here in a winning streak. So when I come in, my relationships are falling apart or my career is, and then some people have it more together than others, but the idea is it's at least internally, if not externally, and most of us, it's externally falling apart. It's unmanageable. And I hate the way I feel about that. And being sober and clean in that kind of a lifestyle is so painful for me. I need to get back out, and that's what drugs kind of do for us. Right, so the interesting thing is, why would it not make sense to an untrained mind that if I fix the outside things, I'll feel differently? That's the, what they talk about, that victim of the delusion, that I can pull satisfaction on the world if I manage it well. So if I can get the right relationship, if I get the right job, if I can get the right well, friendships, I'll be okay. But the common denominator is still you. Right, and the spiritual math doesn't add up. Right, Math in the earthly world, if I work a job five days a week and I go to work for only three days a week, I still expect a paycheck for three days worth of work. Mm -hmm. Ironically, spiritual math does not work. It does not act like that. So when they say half measures avail is nothing, I can do half of the work, 80% of the work and still get zero of the result. You have to do all of the work to get any benefit. If I do all of the steps minus four and five, I might as well have not done the steps. And yeah, the book it predicts. Matter. You're still not getting anything out of it. You have to do all of it. Right, and not perfectly, but attempt to do all of it to the best of my ability. Right, and so so how fitting is it that first I get that that whole God piece together and at least rightly aligned, right? And then I get some more truth in my life, right relationship with self, and then I go out and fix with others. And how common is it, or at least it was for me, that I go the opposite approach and when I come in and I try to put my life together, in air quotes, I try to get employed gainfully, try to make a bunch of money, try to get with the person that's gonna satisfy me romantically, emotionally, sexually. I try to put all that together in the attempts to fix my life. And how much does that fail us? Every time. Right. So one through three, God. Four, five, six, and seven, me. Eight and nine, others. We're almost trained to do the opposite and try to have that work. It doesn't seem to work. And then 10 will be back to me. And then 11 will be back to this power that I just built a new relationship with. And then 12 is back to others. 12 is go tell somebody else about that. Go join that journey with other people. What I found is it is impossible to light somebody else's path while you're walking alongside of them and not simultaneously light your own as well. And the best way to learn something is to teach it. You know, oftentimes we get to that sponsorship part and we're like, I, I don't feel well enough to sponsor somebody. It's literally the sponsoring somebody else that's going to help you be more well than you are today. 
that's going to help you. To, you know, I, I drop my knee to, with, with a newcomer, and they're doing a third step, and they're turning over their addiction to drugs and alcohol, and I'm turning over my judgment of others in this area, my other areas that I'm struggling in my life. Simultaneously, we're on the same journey, but we're also interdependently on our own individual journeys at the same time. They hold me accountable to principles, right, that I'm talking and teaching them, and my own hypocrisy is always going to be revealed in that process. somebody else that like these are the things that we need to do blah, blah 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 because you you can see through somebody when they're not when they talk a good talk but they're not walking the walk the bullshit detector mm-hmm. yeah I mean, no, I say that. yeah I can say that <laughs> <laughs> but being able to teach that to somebody else makes you take a step back and kind of look at it because I can sit there and like even sometimes if I'm stuck in something not necessarily like recovery maybe like work related I'm like just like out of block and I start talking about it with somebody else then that light bulb goes on in my head and I'm like oh like it's the awareness of it because these are all things that we've been taught going through the steps just because you do the steps you're not a perfect human being you're a hell of a lot better than you were hopefully but these are the things that it, it doesn't stop once you get through your steps you have to continue on with it and as long as you have all those relationships and then it comes back to you. You can see through your other relationships in parts where you might need to keep working on a little bit harder. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so let's let's start to talk about some answers, right? So so if those are the most important relationships, or they're the only, only ones we're going to have, let's not even put which one is most important. We can come back to that, right? But the reality is how do I improve that all, all three of those relationships? Let's break them down individually and let's talk about each one, right? So one, two, and three in that rebuilding of a relationship with a higher power, which many of us walked away from that concept, we have very, you know, this is half of us are agnostics. Agnostic being not one that's like, it's not an atheist who like staunchly believes in the non-existence of God. There's something out there, the agnostic is what they kind of come up with, but we just don't know what it is. Yeah, you don't have a name for it, a face for it, or whatever for it, but you believe. You're willing to There's believe at the very something. least, right. And, and then if we look at the actual word and the etymology of it, a, like without, and gnosis knowledge. And the Greeks had multiple words for different same concepts. And gnosis is an experiential knowledge. So an, an agnostic could literally be somebody with 10 years sober who's living, I'm using air quotes, in 10, 11, and 12, sponsoring people, going to meetings, but they're dry and flat. They, they don't, they're not living with the experience of, of, of God and presence and love in their life. And those, those are the times where we just dry out and we get very routine with things. I'm, I'm still praying every day, but I feel nothing and all of those kind of things, right? So, so what are some practices for the, the newcomer, the person who's just brand new, that they can begin to build the, the, that first relationship with the power grade themselves? What are some of the things that we can do? Like for me, I just had to do it. Hmm. Like the step work process you're talking about. Yeah, I had to do the steps and I had, to, you know, people tell you to pray. I pray. You know, whatever. I try, you know, I've tried church. I've done readings on my own. Like you get to explore it. Like don't, feel like just because it works for so many other people for example like christianity buddhism whatever it, it category they present themselves as just because it works for everybody else with that doesn't mean it has to work for you too right you this is a higher power of your understanding there are no limitations on it right i love and i think that that's really important because that's something that pushed me away for so long and kept me going back out because I wasn't willing like I, I tried going to church and I was like oh I don't like it right like you, there's no 
like this is what you have to do this has to be your higher power like it is your higher power right yeah i love that idea of picking it i i, I don't know about picking a light bulb per se because it's hard to do a fist step yeah, with a light bulb that's silly. right but okay. but this whole i mean I, that page 46 thing that it talks about where it says much to our relief right many of us were, were relieved of the fact that we didn't have to we didn't have to believe in somebody else's concept, I'm paraphrasing. I can pick my own concept or whatever it is I want, what you're talking about. And then I ask the questions like, what are the practices that kind of work around that? Like prayer is like oxygen for recovery. It's what helps you breathe. What do I, when I'm new, I, I may not believe in it. I may not, everybody says, do it. I lose nothing by trying it, right? Exactly, you tried everything else under the sun. Like you just have to try something that might be good for you and it'll help you save your life. Yeah, I remember not ever wanting to get on my knees to pray because I thought it was weak. It was just weird and awkward or whatever the case would be. And then I also remember it being pointed out to me that, well, have you ever gone on your knees for drugs, right? And the fact that like the first time I ever smoked crack, when I was out of it, I, I spent quite a bit of time on my knees on my carpet mm-hmm. finding drywall, right? So I, I thought that was a little bit ironic of me. And how, you know, I, and that's the thing. You don't have to pray on your knees. That's not necessarily the suggestion. What I found out is when I bend my knees, I bend my will. Uh, that's something that can I bend my will in my life. Right. Can I bend my will on my life, so to speak? So whatever way you do that practice is fine. But the idea is definitely it's one of the strongest things we can do to begin to invest in that kind of a relationship. I always need to invest in these three relationships. So we're just talking about how do I do that? Right. That's one very high recommendation for a newcomer would be there's always those days where we can get through clean. And then there's those days where we don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that day where I'm not going to get through clean is not today. Right, so to ask whatever this power is, even my first sponsor used to start by praying, to whom it may concern if you're there. Didn't even like the name God, right? And what he says is eventually I kept doing that and kept doing that and guess who showed up, so to speak. We all have our experience with that truth, whatever we call God, mm-hmm. right? But, but one of those first template prayers is just, you know, remove the obsession to drink and use drugs and help me get through today sober, right? And then That's to be- That's all it has to do. And just it's a great start. that little, it's, it's a seed. You're taking a seed spirituality and you're planting it and every time you pray you're watering it you're putting it in the sun you're starting to form it that's like with any relationship that's exactly true you have to put the work in you can't meet a cute stranger on the street and say hi i'm gonna marry you right that's not how it works right yeah here's the thing i love what you just said like how you do any of them it's back to kind of like how you do one is how you do all what i invest in each of those relationships is gonna definitely either it's gonna harvest whatever i get back Right? I have to start with the position of accountability that I literally am in control of what I invest. And the returns are just universal in principle usually. Right? So prayer is one. The book is huge on meditation. Many of us are resistant to that. Right? Whether it's an, a, a practice like a, a Buddhist or a Hindu of sitting in silence and focusing on breath. Or whether it's a Christian thing which is more meditation of contemplating on an idea or a concept and kind of soaking that whole thing up and visualizing what that looks like in my life. Whatever way you do it, I guess the suggestion if you're going to invest in that relationship is do some form of it, right? Daily devotionals are kind of a form of meditation, those kind of things. And they're just, they're things that pretty much are staples and basics in everybody's recovery. Yeah, even if you take, like when I first started going through the steps, my sponsor <coughs> read the big book every day for five minutes and you'll get through it. Right. And just taking that five minutes and doing something just sit there, don't put music on, don't anything. Just sit there and take the time where I'm only focusing on that. Yeah. So form a meditation. That seems also dually, also an investment in self at the same time. Like you're investing in two relationships at the same time, mm-hmm. which will pay dividends in your relationships with others over time. It doesn't look directly connected, but it seems to me like it is. Yeah. Yeah. It leads to it at the beginning. I'm like, 
why the hell am I reading a book five minutes a day? Like, I'm just going to read the whole thing at once, like, because all or nothing. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. There's all these practices, and I'm, I'm a big fan of doing the literature the way the book says, but I'm also a fan of anything that works, right? So, so conscious intent is important. It means like spirituality should be logically consistent. Mm-hmm. It should make sense to the person going through the process. And if so much of this conversation is about a higher power, how often have I thought about that relationship, and how often has I invested in it from that perspective? Meaning, now with people who wrestle with the God idea, I've oftentimes asked them if they're open and willing, which they usually are, if we're having that conversation. Like, let's take a look at what your life is, and 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 the way you come up with, and the way you actually view God in your life. If you're fearful all the time and you have this never-ending prophecy of doom coming, all that stuff, we're not going to make the connections to how I'm, my actions kind of bring that stuff upon me till later in the steps. But at the very least, we can acknowledge the fact that that probably points towards I have kind of a vengeful, judgmental God that I'm afraid of. And that, that's got to be addressed before I yield to that concept in three. Nobody wants to yield to the eye in the sky that's always looking for them to make a stake and judge them. right? So then I've literally had people do things like put a wand ad out. Like literally write, let's write a want ad for what you would like God to be. And a lot of the answers are consistent, loving, forgiving, you know, compassionate, all of these different things. And whatever concept you've been rolling with, which seems to usually at that point in the conversation, not be that, let's drop that. And that's what God is to you. Right. And let's go on an interview. So I've literally had them write what God is to them currently based upon the truth of looking that's at the way we live. That's what I have to do with my sponsor. Right. And then like on the... Right, and then we just rip one in half and say, this is the new higher power. We're going to work with this concept and invest in this idea over and over again. Um, sounds like really simple things to do that can have large impact over time. Absolutely. That was one of the only ways that I came to figure out, like, that's what really helped me through the process of, like, actually understanding, like, yeah, I believed that there, there had to be some. Right. But, like, actually being able to understand it, even have, like, an inkling of understanding is what made me be like, Okay. Right. And here's what I know today. Whatever concept of God I have today and after, you know, being a year back or plus whatever and after the 11 years that I had, whatever concept I have at any given point in time is always wrong. In the fact that God's probably greater than it's even describable in words or anything like that. But So the question is even not how much I understand it, but how much do I experience it and, and the principles that are living through it. So let's jump to self, right? So so ways to have different, a whole different thing, whole different angle, whole different approach. Right, some ways to have a better relationship with self. We're all looking for this self-love concept. If we buy into, I can only love others to the extent that I can love myself. Right? AA breaks the human being into three different compartments. Right? Mind, body, and spirit. Am I investing in my mind? Am I investing in my body? Am I investing in my spirit? And I think it's a very far jump that a lot of us make. I, I've made been guilty of this to, okay, I'm doing well in my life. I'm moving forward spiritually. I love myself. When all the evidence of that doesn't really add up, so to speak. So I think there's an intermediary step, which is to begin to like myself first. And I like myself by doing things that are esteemable and healthy for me over the process of time through discipline and getting consistency with those things. Yeah, you can't just be like, Oh, like this is it. Like I'm gonna love myself now. Yeah. Like no, it didn't. You didn't start out hating yourself. It got to that point, and it has to get to the point of loving yourself. I think liking myself is a great step and a platform to get up to the step of loving myself. And I think the way that we learn to like ourselves better and better is through being kind to ourselves. Right? I, I've gone on diet after diet or whatever. I've lost over 100 pounds in the last year, whatever the case may be. I've lost and gained weight all my life. And there was those times where I would like 
be really good for three days and then I eat a piece of cake and then I'm like, I might as well get a double bacon eater for all this other stuff and quit the whole entire thing. And then I found a little bit of a kinder way to myself. I'd rather eat two pieces of cake and not judge myself and go on with a healthier rest of the day eating that would be kinder to myself and my mind than the actual, and that toxicity of self-judgment than the actual, what I ate that day. Yeah, it's just like these little steps that we have to take, just like the steps are numbered, they're numbered for a reason. It's a number for an order. Like, these are the little steps that we have to take. Like, and self love isn't all about like, oh, the way like I like the way I look. Like, uh, you know, I do really well at work. It's also like the other stuff of, you know, I pay my bills on time. Right. I take time to sit with my God. Right. You know, I take care of the responsibilities in my life. That way you don't have little things that you can easily take care of, but we're so used to pushing off that add up in the end of being like, oh my gosh, like my life is still unmanageable because I'm too worried about A, B, C, and D of self-love, air quotations as Rocky puts it, to take care of the things that are self-care but that we don't necessarily want to do. Right, that's exactly it. And that's, those are harder things. We're talking about really disciplined behavior, which usually is not our main go-to. Oh, absolutely not. Right. So I, I kind of put this four boxes of, of to mind, body, and spirit and just added some stuff, right? So mind, body, spirit, and emotion. If you put those in different boxes in the practice of through the eyes of kindness towards self, right? What is kind to my mind? Do I read a little bit? Do I listen to a YouTube video here and there? Whatever it is, right? Where am I investing in my relationship with myself there, right? Spirit, where am I investing my spirit? Well, when I'm new, the 12 steps are definitely an easy platform that's all out there. I can get support to do all that stuff, right? You know, it usually comes later for us where I can invest in my body. Like we, it very much, it's just the machine or the, the flesh, which the soul is encased in, right? What I put in, do I exercise? Do I do it for walks? All those kind of things kind of add up and help me be a little bit more kind to myself, right? And then my emotions. When I fall short, do I judge and guilt myself and go back to the pattern of just self-abuse over and over again, or am I forgiving towards myself? I mean, there's a lot of outside practices that work on kindness emotionally, right? But the idea is to just not to not judge and beat myself up all the time. Yeah, put down the bat. Right, absolutely. And I guess the other topic, you know, of jumping into the relationship of others, I mean, there's so many kind ways to be kind to myself and my practice with others, but I guess we'll kind of bring that back in another day because the reality is that is, that's a whole episode in and of itself. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, and the idea is if I'm, if I'm doing the first two, I'm going to be forced into the third because as I begin to work on myself and my relationship with myself, the highlights of where I'm falling short are going to be revealed through my relationships with others. Right. Step six becomes step one in the spiritual world when I realize how powerless I am over my, I, I realize in, I don't work step six. Step six works me. When I see the pain in the eyes of the people that I love and I'm hurting them against my better judgment, against my better will, and all of a sudden my defects become real because defects are things that from just one perspective that, you know, there are things that I don't find objectionable in myself that other people find objectionable in me that cause disharmony. Right? And that, that becomes a whole entire different process. And you need that. Like, other people are a mirror of you because the people that you surround yourself with are also a reflection of yourself. Right. Yeah. Because you, you, just like when you know we're out there drinking and drugging, we hang out with the barflies, we hang out with the drug dealers because those are the people who we feel most comfortable around. Those are the people that we have things in common with that we accept the way that we treat them and right. they accept it. And the way that they treat us. If you're a healthy 
person, you're not going to want to hang out with somebody who's always negative. They're not going to be in your circle of people. Self-love doesn't hurt itself. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Great talk, and next week we'll get into some different topics, but I really appreciate you coming down again. Same to you, Rocky. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.